0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our normal Wednesday episode uh, here in week 19 of the 2024 NBA season. I am your host, Carson. Welcome to the show uh, and welcome back to the show. Of course, if you've been listening previously, uh, as well as those brand new listeners, we just want to express our appreciation. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Yeah, we're back to to normal schedule. We've got, uh, of course, summaries from the last couple of nights of action as well as the latest news. Then we'll get into a couple of the game segments. We'll actually do both uh, 20 guesses as well as Justin's showdown, simply because it's been quite some time since we've done either of those segments. Um, and then we'll also talk, uh, touch on a weekly prediction as well before we wrap up the show. It'll be a little bit shorter than our, uh, our two hour episode from Monday. Um, it seems like we do that a lot with our Monday episode. Um, of course, we're looking to make it a little bit more even across the, uh, the three episodes in the week so that we don't have Monday be two hours or, you know, even longer sometimes. And then Wednesday and Friday are, are shorter episodes. We're looking to balance that. Um, but those who have listened through those full episodes, we definitely appreciate you and, and uh you know, power to you. Um And again, it, it made a lot of sense. We had a lot of stuff to to talk about there. We have plenty to talk about today as well. Um, before we jump into the game, so wanted to share a quick thought. I was thinking about the craziness of the West playoff race um, as I was doing the prep work for today's episode. And I was curious about especially the fact that the top two teams in the West right now, the Timberwolves and the Thunder, uh, are teams that were play-in-picture teams last season. Uh, one of those was able to win its final game and get the... Uh, the eighth seed play in spot or, or playoff spot rather. And they faced the, uh the eventual champs in the nuggets in the first round, the Timberwolves did. um, And then the thunder were a 10th seed team and they uh, weren't able to escape the play in tournament. Um, and this is just last season. And suddenly they're the top two teams in the Western conference. I was thinking about the wildness of the West compared to the East for the most part, being the teams we expected and or being the teams that have been, in, excuse me, top teams last season. And so I did a comparison um, of the position in the conference this season at this point in the season compared to last season. Um, for example, in the East, if we're talking Boston, uh, they finished last season as the second team in the East. So there's a difference of one. Uh, so it's just one number there. <clears throat> I figured out the difference in standing last season to this season for the top 10 teams in both conferences. And then I averaged that out because I was curious, you know, how much has it changed in the conferences? And there was a difference. It wasn't as big as I thought it would be, but it was still interesting in the East. The average difference was about 2.3. So, you know, most of those teams were moving up or down a couple of spots. Um, again, Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York, that's your top four right now. Most of those were basically top four last season. New York was a fifth team, and they're fourth right now. Um, the biggest difference in the East is Orlando. They're up to seventh at the moment. They were 13th overall last season. Without Orlando, this is probably more like a uh, you know 1.8 or something like that. You compare it to the West, though, 3.5 average difference. And again, the top two teams, Minnesota is seven places better in the west the thunder six places uh better in the west um you know what i did that wrong because that's eight better so if they're eight better that's a 3.7 yeah thunder eight better in the west the timberwolves seven better outside of that there's not as big of a difference i mean the pelicans up four spots to fifth uh the kings are down four spots to seventh and then Dallas, Golden State, the Lakers are all moving up or down three spots. So there's some bigger differences there. It's really just the Minnesota and Oklahoma City uh story there that has it so exciting, you know. And I'm I'm intrigued with how this western playoff race is going to shake out in terms of the seeding as the playoffs start as well as, you know, who's going to make it out of the West? Who's going to be in the finals? Will it be the Nuggets again as far as, you know, being able to have a chance to defend their crown um, or will it follow the trend of the last few seasons and there'll be a new team. And anyways, I'm, I'm just super excited to see what happens. That was my quick thought, maybe a little bit longer than I intended. But uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and, uh, and waste no more time. Let's jump into our game summaries and key news from the last couple of nights of NBA action. All right, again, five games picked out for you that we'll dive into in depth. We're going to start with one game from Monday night. There was only four games total played on Monday night, and we're starting with uh, another controversial finish, this time in the Knicks' favor, and it's interesting. We have an update on that Knicks' protest of the Rockets' loss, um, but this time, you know, tables were turned in terms of the Knicks seemingly arguably getting uh, a favorable outcome in terms of a controversial um officiating situation and we'll get into that in just a moment. Um the the straight numbers are this. The New York Knicks won at home versus the Detroit Pistons, 113 to one eleven. your final score. Narrow game. Pistons very much had a chance to win this game. And we'll dive into that a little bit more in detail. Um down to the wire game, especially in the fourth quarter. Um the Knicks had brief double digit leads throughout the second and third quarters, but the Pistons had fought back they had led um, multiple times in this game, nine lead changes. And again, it was within a, just a possession for the last few minutes, really, um, anyone's game at the at the close of this one. Uh, Knicks come out on top, as we said. They, they had the better assist game and less turnovers in this one, but the Pistons shot much better from the floor in all aspects. So, uh, you know, really kind of evened out in those categories. When it comes to box score, um the pistons were led by Cade Cunningham 32 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. He's looking strong again after uh, some missed games. Um I want to say it was more than a month ago, but I haven't seen a lot of the bigger numbers lately, but he's he's back with some some higher scoring games. 5 of 7 from three-point range he was in that game and he made 7 of his 8 three-point attempts or free throw attempts rather. So strong game for Cunningham. Uh, their next leading scores were both Jaden Ivey with 14 as well as Quentin Grimes with 14. Uh, Grimes coming off the bench in this game. Uh, then they got 12 points from Simone Fontecchio and 11 points, 16 rebounds for Jalen Duren. He continues to impress on the glass. Meanwhile, For the Knicks, they were led by Jalen Brunson, 35 points and 12 assists, along with two steals. He continues to show the elite point guard play. He didn't shoot that well, especially from three, three of 11 from the three-point range, about 27%. But he was 10 of 11 from the free throw line, uh, still very good performance all around. Then they got 23 points, eight rebounds, six assists. As well as two steals and a block from Josh Hart starting at that small forward spot, uh, three of five from three, of course, in the absence of OG Anunoby, starting in that role. Um, then they had 21 points from Dante Divincenzo, who five who was five of ten from three. They got 13 off the bench from Bayan Bogdanovich, who also had six boards and he was three of eight from three. So Knicks had some some bigger individual scoring games. Um, Pistons. A touch more well spread. I mean, obviously, more guys in double figures, but also they had, you know, three or four guys with you know eight points, seven points. Um, the Knicks, outside of those double figure scores, didn't have a lot of other scoring, so that kind of made up the gap. Um, by the way, for the Knicks, Precious Chua, eleven boards, two steals, two blocks for him in that game. Uh, so good all round inside presence there. Um, but again, the the story with this game. Is about the final f- few minutes, um, changes of possession all around, uh, both teams struggling to kind of hold on to the ball. Um, ultimately, the turnover that was key was uh, ball is coughed up by the Knicks and it gets into the hands of the Pistons rookie, Asar Thompson. He's going down the sideline, uh, kind of not quite tight roping, but he's right there along the sideline. Um, almost a half court and Dante DiVincenzo hustle play essentially dives towards the ball and or dives towards the star Thompson's feet, leg area um, able to, to get the ball. um, The ball gets in the hands of of Josh Hart. He makes an and one layup that was clutch in those final minutes, really final seconds of the game to put the Knicks ahead. And they were able to, seal the win with that, uh, that sequence of events Um, after the game, the official state Dante DiVincenzo's dive towards the ball should have been called the loose ball foul. You know, there was contact Thompson didn't really have a chance to control the ball before DiVincenzo was um, disrupting the play, not in a, a fully clean, you know, just strip the ball loose. There was contact, and there was you know those type of things, um, right at the sideline, right towards his leg area, um. So, again, reverse situation in the Knicks' favor, and Monty Williams, the head coach of the Detroit Pistons, was certainly not happy with the result. He, in his uh post-game press conference, was straight to the point. talked about talked at length about it, complained about the officiating. I'm sure we'll see some sort of fine, um which I'm sure he knows too, you know, it's kind of those uh, you bite the bullet. But for him, the way he talked about it was, you know, he seemed ready to just go for it because he's, he's, he stated that, you know, they've tried other avenues um working with the league office and, and not voicing frustrations publicly um, trying to work with their players and the, the Pistons players about how to, Uh, exactly go about this and um, navigate officiating and the way they're calling the Pistons in particular, he's, you know, his quote was loosely, um, you know, paraphrasing, uh, we're kind of fed up with the situation. um, And uh, he said, you know, that's it. And he walked right out of the press conference. And so a frustrating situation for the Knicks. Uh, Thankfully they they did have a bright spot uh, later uh in, in later on in Tuesday. We'll get to that a little bit later, but um controversial stuff. Um Knicks end up with the win. Um and again it's a bit ironic with the whole uh Knicks protesting the loss of the Rockets. And again, we'll have an update on that with our news. But uh they they get the win. Um a needed win for them in terms of their recent uh losses and recent depleted roster uh, they needed to get a win like that, especially against a Detroit team that still is struggling for the most part on the season. So the Knicks get the win there. The remaining games for Monday night, uh, we start with the Toronto Raptors winning in Indiana against the Pacers, 130 to 122 year final. Scotty Barnes with a triple double, 21 points, 12 boards, and 12 assists. Uh, but that is the third straight win for the Raptors. And that fulfills a, uh, or a, brings into action a promise made by uh, head coach Rajkovic of the Raptors that if they were to win, if and when they got their third, you know, a, third, a three game win streak in the season, he would treat the team to a, uh, a nice dinner. The Raptors apparently voted for a pizza party. Um And so we'll see which of those ends up happening, whether it's a, a nice dinner uh, you know, fancier, or if it's pizza, um, for the Raptors. So congratulations to them for that milestone. And it's cool to see those, you know, team camaraderie things and, and, you know, building back a culture of, of winning and, and whatever kind of labels you want to throw on it. Um, I like Roger um, really gotten to see a lot of his personality this year as a coach, um, fiery moments, fun moments, uh, heartwarming moments. I I've really warmed up to him because I didn't know a lot about him before the season. So I think that's a lot of fun, Uh, For them, Uh, then the Brooklyn Nets won in Memphis against the Grizzlies, 111 to 86. Your final score there. This is Kevin Ali's first win as a head coach in the NBA. Of course, he's been an assistant with the Nets recently. He's the interim head coach. Uh, So Kevin Ali getting the win. Congratulations to him. And finally, the Miami Heat won in Sacramento against the Kings, 121 to 110, overcoming the odds. The Heat were so undermanned in this game. Uh, No Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero, no Terry Rozier, Josh Richardson, Thomas Bryant, Nikola Jovich, or Orlando Robinson. They were playing with, you know, ha- half of the team gone, essentially. They started, you know, they had Caleb Martin, Jaime Jaquez, Bam Adebayo. Um, They started Duncan Robinson. They had DeLon Wright in there. Off the bench, Haywood Highsmith, Kevin Love, Cole Swider, and Alondis Williams. And that was kind of it. Uh, so a thinner roster against basically the full force of the Kings. And they're able to get the win in Sacramento. Um, big win for them. Momentum wise, it was a fourth straight um, for the Kings. It still goes to show the the confusing state of them not being able to build, you know, more lengthy wins, if not win streaks, at least, you know, 10 wins in their last 13 or something to that effect, you know, five wins over their last six games you know those type of things uh, and they just haven't done that this season so uh, regardless that is the end of the monday games then we get to tuesday and we have four games we're diving into uh as far as tuesday goes starting with the golden state warriors playing in washington against the wizards they win this game 123 to 112 uh big return for chris paul Um, and it's funny that he returned against the wizards a team that he technically was a part of for about a week during the off season um, before he went to golden state. Um, after a, a brief Washington lead first quarter, the warriors took a lead uh, in the second, and then they had one of their signature third quarter runs uh, to really kind of seal the game and go on to win it later on. As far as box score is concerned, uh, starting with the wizards, they had six guys in double figures being led by Kyle Kuzma, 27 points and 12 rebounds for him. Uh, then they had 20 points each from both Marvin Bagley III and Corey Kispert. Uh, Bagley also had nine boards, two blocks, and a steal. Then they got 16 points from Landry Shamet, 14 points and 17 assists for one Tyus Jones, who also had two steals. Uh, and then off the bench, Jordan Poole with 12 points. Uh, so those were the leaders for the Wizards. Meanwhile, for the uh, Golden State Warriors it was Clay Thompson leading them in terms of scoring. He comes off the bench lately, 25 points for him. They're four and one since Clay Thompson has been coming off the bench. So it seems it could be um, the right button to push for this team to start uh, winning a little bit more consistently. They've done that over the last few weeks. Um, Jonathan Kaminga, 21 points for him. Then Steph Curry, 18 points, uh, 13 points for Gary Payton, the second and 12 points for Moses Moody. Draymond, 6 points, 8 boards, 8 assists. And then, yes, Chris Paul and his return, 9 points, 6 assists, 4 steals uh, on 3 of 5, 3-point shooting. So good to see Chris Paul back in the lineup. And, um, again, shout-out to the Warriors for, for building some momentum. I think that's been a big thing. But, really, I wanted to dive into this game because we have not had a chance to talk about the Wizards a lot. Of course, we'll do. That'll be the last franchise focus we do, um, whether it's um, – you know, sorted our franchise focus is sorted by team location or team name. Um, either way, the Wizards are the last team that we talk about. And so we'll talk about them pretty much at the end of the season. But um, the the Wizards have been very not good this season. Um, going into the season, I believe I had them picked as my team that would be kind of the bottom of the power rankings, even below Detroit we didn't expect Detroit to have the losing streak that they did early on, especially after they had, they had a two and one start to the season. Since then the Pistons have improved and the wizards have regressed a little. And some of that is trade, you know, they've traded away better players to improve, you know, draft stock and draft positioning and, and, you know, get younger and those types of things. Um, but that's it still happened. They're currently on a 12 game losing streak and wouldn't you know it? They are now tied record wise because of another game we'll talk about from Tuesday. They're tied with the Pistons in the East, a nine and 49 record, which is surprising that they were able to tie after all that. Um It's concerning for the wizards this season. Um Again, for their sake, if they're getting more draft positioning, it, the idea is, well, it'll pay off later, of course, with high draft picks. And I don't hate the the Wizards' roster in terms of players with potential. Tyus Jones, Tyus Jones, I like. I'm getting his chance to be full time starting point guard, and he's just showing that he can play the pure point. He can distribute the ball, um, and he can get some points for you as well. Um, you know, Marvin Bagley has had another chance to kind of lead and and resurge his playing career. Kuzma has value, uh, always he'll be a trade, you know, trade conversation piece, if nothing else, because he's got, you know, good scoring combo forward a little bit rebounding size strength. Um, Corey Kispert, I think has shades of, a, you know, a future Kyle Korver type career, um, or could be, you know, something resembling that in terms of three point shooting and and spot up. And, you know, he can bring value to a team in that way. Um, Outside of that, though, there's a lot of question marks. The Jordan Poole thing, I think, has been discouraging in, in a big way. They thought maybe they could bring in Jordan Poole and he could be have a chance to flourish as a, a star of a team or a leader of a team, and he really has struggled shooting the ball one of the more inefficient seasons um, in recent memory. He's gotten booed by the Washington faithful. They have It really hasn't been a great fit. They haven't gelled, um, and so – I don't know the wizards. I just think right now, especially momentum wise, certainly 12, you know, 12 game losing streak. They, um you know, they're going the opposite direction of the Pistons in terms of the Pistons having gotten more wins over the last couple of months than they had for, you know, the, the first half first, not first half, but first uh third of the season. And so, I don't know. Just wanted to comment on that a little bit more. Um, Wizards concern me in terms of them finishing at the bottom of the East when the Pistons, it seemed, would be that clear team to finish uh, at the bottom of the East. But otherwise, that was the main thing uh, to focus on with that game. We'll next jump into um, maybe the the biggest game of last night's action and certainly the biggest highlight from the last week or two. Um, Max Struess game winner. We're talking Cleveland Cavaliers hosting the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Big takeaway, of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers won this game, 121 to 119. Um, We'll real quick run through the flow of the game, basically. Um, Back and forth game after a huge Cleveland second quarter lead. um, Mavericks took the lead again, uh, and then it was back and forth. 24 lead changes in the game as a whole. Um, Mavericks led by uh, about 10 points with Five minutes to go ish. From that point, Max Strus goes on a tear. Um, in total, in the last four minutes of the game, he had five three pointers made. Then, in the cu- last minute or two, Donovan Mitchell hits a couple big threes as well. Their combined efforts, they're able to chip the lead down. They take a lead. They have a chance to win it. Suddenly, Dallas gets a you know Luca gets a great pass into Washington for a, a layup and. This is at a point where Cleveland has no timeouts. They've used the timeouts to to get themselves close, uh, you would imagine. And so Dallas leads by one now after a layup. There's a couple seconds on the clock, no timeout. Max Drews takes the uh, the ball out of bounds, throws it to Evan Mobley for the inbounds. Mobley throws it right back to him, and he throws and and Drews throws up a beauty of a, a desperation shot it was long and certainly it was not the normal form but it it was almost the normal form able to get a great release on it balanced definitely putting a lot of body as well as leg normally the jump shot is a lot of the leg um, in terms of the power but he, he had to put a lot more into it to get it close and he didn't just get it close he swished it pure to hit one of the more exciting game winners I can remember, certainly over the last couple of months, um, in terms of the the length and the timing and the no timeouts, um, phenomenal shot. It was a 59 foot shot for Max Drews to win the game again. Five threes in the final four minutes, finished with 20 something points, and we we can get into the the box scores to get those exact numbers. Huge win. They overcame for the Dallas Mavericks a combined 75 points from Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. Luka, 45 points, 14 assists, 9 boards, and 3 steals. He was 6-11 from 3. I mean, another phenomenal Luka stat line. And then Kyrie had a great game too. 30 points, 6 boards, 3 assists, uh, a steal, and a block. And he was 5-8 from 3. So both those guys, killer. What killed the Mavericks potentially from having a chance to, to just steal the, seal the win fully, um, outside of Luca and Kyrie, not a lot of other offensive production. Um, Luca and Kyrie both shot 50% or more from the floor and they shot well above 50 from the three point line as a team, the Mavericks shot 42% from three. So outside of Luca and Kyrie, the rest of the guys couldn't hit a lot of three point shots, um, and there just wasn't a lot of scoring anyways. P.J. Washington, the next leading scorer for the Mavs with 11 as well as three steals. Um, and then it was, you know, Derek Lively with nine. Um, just not able to spread out the the scoring enough. For the Cavs, meanwhile, um, they had five guys, six guys rather, in double figures. Um, Donovan Mitchell led them in scoring 31 points, seven boards, six assists. He was seven of 11 from three. Max Struce was seven of 10 from three. 21 points total on the game. They got 19 from Jared Allen with nine boards, 12 points, nine boards, seven assists for Evan Mobley, 11 points off the bench for Karis Silvert, and then 10 points off the bench for the minivan, George Niang. Um, just a better all round team performance. Uh, the Struess game winner, that was the second longest game winner since 1997. Uh, the longest being not too long ago, a couple years back, the Devontae Graham game winner. Uh, when he was with the Pelicans and they were in Oklahoma city against the thunder. Um, that was a similar desperation. Heave couple of seconds left. Um, so that one just barely longer, but still an immense shot for him and a big win for Cleveland. Again, they had slipped a little bit, I think three losses over their last five games. Uh, so this gets them back with that positive momentum. And it shows how solid of a signing uh, Max Bruce was uh, for the Cavaliers in the off season. Ah, uh, to bring him in, you know, shores up that small forward spot alongside Mitchell and Garland. Um, I think it was a great move, and he has a chance to to really be special in Cleveland. and already is kind of doing that. So, big win for the Cavs. Next up, uh, what I was talking about when I kind of alluded to the Pistons uh, getting a, a you know change of the the uh, the feeling and the morale from the Monday night loss. And the heartbreak uh in those you know officiating situations. Uh they come back on Tuesday night and they get a win, uh, ending a six-game losing streak. They win in Chicago against the Bulls, a division rival, 105 to 95, your final in Chicago. Um, and again, that brings them even with the Wizards. We've talked about that. I just love to see the the fight and the resiliency shown by the Pistons after the losing streak was such a storyline. They haven't been, you know, tearing tearing up the league certainly, but they're getting wins. They're competitive nightly. They were competitive against a good Knicks team. They've they've fought in most all of the games they've played, especially after the break. Um, they've been much improved. Um, just love to see it for the the Pistons faithful, and you know they are kind of turning a corner. As far as box scores go, uh, for the Bulls, they were led by Nikola Vucevic, 25 points, 10 boards, as well as DeMar DeRozan. He had 25 points uh, as well. Uh, 20 points off the bench with 11 boards for Andre Drummond, and then 10 points for Kobe White. That was kind of the, the skinny of it. For the Pistons, they had six guys in double figures being led by Cade Cunningham, 26 points, five boards, five assists, on some very efficient numbers. Uh, about 70% from the floor, 60% from three. They got 17 off the bench from Simone Fontecchio, uh, 15 for Jaden Ivey, 14 for Jalen Duran, who also had 10 boards, three blocks, 13 for Sar Thompson, who also had eight rebounds, and then Isaiah Stewart, 11 points, nine rebounds, uh, returning after that brief suspension. So again, the Pistons have talent. They're getting better. Their coach is showing them how to win and how they're going to win uh, with his uh, style of play, his system. Cade Cunningham continues to emerge, and they will still have uh, some draft possibilities in the near future. So you got to imagine the Pistons are nearing a point where they could really start to turn the corner and go from rebuilding to starting to, to improve night night after night, week after week. And, and hopefully get back to a, a play-in type contention at the very least if not playoffs uh within the next few years that's the hope so a big win for Detroit there and then finally uh we'll wrap it up uh, as far as the the main games we're focusing on with the Miami Heat going into Portland against the Trailblazers Butler back in the lineup um and they win this game 106 to 96 in Portland uh on the road early on they had a big deficit Trailing by as many as fifteen to the Trailblazers, um, I I did have a chance to watch a little bit of this game, and uh I had started watching actually after the Heat had taken the lead uh towards the end of the third quarter. Um, again, Trailblazers led by as much as fifteen, um, led by about ten going into halftime. Heat brought it back in the third quarter, but this, it still felt like, you know, the the Trailblazers again are not a. Uh, a phenomenal team this season. A lot of younger players getting more minutes and opportunities to grow and it's a a growing year not really a, a competing year for the Trailblazers. And then you're facing a Heat team um that's you know they came off an impressive win against the Kings and then they just seemed a little bit lethargic against the Trailblazers. Um that was my takeaway. Uh, but they're still able to do enough to to beat the, the Blazers. Uh, as far as box score goes, for the Trail Blazers, they were led by Anthony Simons, 26 points, 4 assists, 4 of 11 from 3. They got 24 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, and 3 steals from Jeremy Grant. By far their best player at the moment, um, and you got to feel that he wonders about, you know, if he had an opportunity to play somewhere that was a little bit more competitive because he's, you know, one of the better players on these more struggling type teams. Um, They got 17 points, 10 boards from Tumani Kamara, and then 12 points, 10 boards from Deandre Ayton. Uh, Back on Kamara, I was impressed with him in what I saw. I knew he's a power forward, bigger body. Uh, I didn't know he was quite as versatile, especially with the, the ball handle. I'm very intrigued with him. He's played big minutes for them. He started a lot of games. Um, when he was very much an afterthought of all the, the trades with Lillard and holiday and those shuffles made by, you know, sons and he was a son's draft pick. He's had a chance in Portland to showcase his skill set, And it seems like he could become one of the more valuable pieces in terms of, of talent for the future. So watch out for Kamara. He's interesting to me. Um, But anyway, 17 points, 10 boards for him. Deandre Ayton, Uh, had two steals and a block uh, as well as those 12 points and 10 rebounds. Meanwhile, for the heat, they were led by Jimmy Butler, 22 points, nine assists, along with four steals and two blocks, really showcasing his two way impact. One of the better two way players in the game today, they got 19 points from Terry Rozier, a couple of, you know, big shots down the stretch. I remember uh, a big three as the blazers were starting to build back momentum. Um, He also had two blocks and a steal. Uh, Duncan Robinson had 17 points with two steals and then bam out of bio, 13 points, nine rebounds as well as a block. So, um, and neither team really lighting it up um, in terms of total offense, but the, the heat um, balanced scoring and another note for the trailblazers, they had three guys with no points. Whereas the, the heat, everyone that played scored, most of those guys scored at least seven or eight points. So, um, that was a difference maker, you know, we can, can guys that get on the floor, at least get some baskets for you. Um, the heat were able to do that trailblazers, not fully able to do that. And that made up the difference for the heat. This is our fifth straight win. And that was able to catapult them up into the fifth spot in the Eastern conference. You know, it seemed like just a week or two ago, they were, you know, hanging around in the, very much in the play in picture eighth or ninth. Um, and they've been able to string a win streak together and suddenly they moved back up. Um, and so just when I was ready to ride off the heat and I think I would kind of said something to that effect within the last couple of weeks of the podcast, suddenly they're they're coming back in and they, they're finding a bit more of a groove. So props to them. Like I said, you know, I'm more than happy for them to prove me wrong. Um, we'll see if they can continue to uh, maintain this momentum for the rest of the season. Um, but that's that game covered as far as the remaining games from Tuesday night. Uh, firstly. The Orlando Magic won at home against the Brooklyn Nets, 108-81, your final. Uh, The New Orleans Pelicans won in New York against the Knicks, 115-92. The Boston Celtics won at home against the Philadelphia 76ers, 117-99, your final. Tatum with a near triple-double, 29 points, 11 boards, and 8 assists. That's Boston's ninth straight win, which ties the league best this season. Four other teams have had a nine-game win streak, uh, the Cavaliers, the Clippers, the Knicks, and the Magic. Of course, the Magic's the first to do that uh, this season. But the Knick, the Celtics rather have the chance to be the first team this season to have a double digit win streak. We'll see if they can do that. Their next game is on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, then the Atlanta Hawks won at home against the Utah Jazz in John Collins' return to Atlanta. The Hawks were victorious, one twenty four to ninety seven. year final. Jalen Johnson double double 22 points 13 rebounds for him. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks won big at home against the Charlotte Hornets 123 to 85. The uh, Minnesota Timberwolves won at home against the San Antonio Spurs 114 to 105. And uh, finally, the Oklahoma City Thunder won at home against the Houston Rockets 112 to 95. Your final score there Um, with. Both of those wins, the Timberwolves and the Thunder wins, they maintain their status as being tied for the lead in the West. The Timberwolves, of course, have the slight edge with the uh, better divisional record, but they're both 41-17 and overall records, uh, winning just under 71% of their games this season. So uh, that is the end of the, the game summaries. We'll also touch on key news. Not a lot of news items. Firstly, some transactions. Uh, for the Detroit Pistons forward center, Mike Muscala is reportedly finalizing a contract buyout. Um, and, of course, he's interested in a myriad of contending teams. Uh, no real specifics on what teams he's interested in, but we'll have to see what happens there in terms of where he'd sign, what, how much of a factor he'd be in terms of minutes. Um, it'll be interesting to see. But then also the Charlotte Hornets have signed forward Alexei Pokushevsky. Of course, he was a bit of a surprise wave by the Thunder. Uh, he lands now in Charlotte with a chance to see if he can, you know, scratch back some minutes and get back into a consistent role in the league. And then finally, as we mentioned, an update on the Knicks' protest. Uh, they were denied. The protest of that February 12th loss to the Rockets has been denied by the NBA. Uh, the reasoning is the Knicks didn't demonstrate a misapplication of playing rules. Um what was clear of course it was known as was stated by the officials following the game it was a officiating mistake but that isn't enough to turn over a game there has to be um an, an egregious mis uh misapplication of playing rules as it states for there to be reason to do the ex, the extraordinary as it says in the official NBA communications report um and you know, accept or approve a protest to then figure out, well, you've got to replay the last few minutes. The, the, the game as a whole, whatever it is. So that was denied. And again, ironic with the whole uh, Knicks Pistons thing, but I guess karma can kind of go, go around, come around. Um, They didn't get the karma with the Rockets loss, but they got the karma with the Pistons win. So it is what it is. Net neutral, I suppose, Um, We'll see how the karma goes for the Rockets and the Pistons uh, as the other ends of those situations. But that is it for our news. And again, that's it for our game summaries as well. So we're all caught up on our action. Let's go ahead and shift focus into uh, our latest edition of the different game segments we have. Firstly, 20 guesses and then also Justin's showdown. All right. Again, we're doing both uh because again, it's been oh a number of weeks since we've done either 20 guesses or um Justin's showdown. It's been about three weeks. It was the very beginning of February when we did our last 20 guesses uh player. And the last time we did Justin's showdown was, I would guess. Ooh, January 10th. So it's been nearly two months since we've done that segment. So we've got to bring both back. We've got to get those going. And we're starting with um, 20 guesses. So again, normally the way this works is if we have Wyatt or Justin on the the show, our co-hosts on various days. um, If one of them is on the show and we do 20 guesses, one of us picks one player each. And we read the career stat line, career stat line for that player to the other person. And they have 20 guesses to try and figure it out. It's kind of like, you know, a bit opposite of 20 questions, if you will. Uh, But they have 20 guesses to see if they can get that player with each guess. There's a slight hint that can be given out. Like, let's say the other person guesses a player that played for the same team. You could say, well, no, it's not that player, but hey, they played for that same team in their career. Um, so, there's hints along the way and then there's there's lifelines um as far as you know career accolades teams they played for things of that nature so I, it's a lot of fun to do we haven't unfortunately been able to do it um with the two person format the normal format on uh, the podcast for a little while so what we've been doing instead is i give you the listening audience the career stat line for the player um we have some additional, additional notes you know we'll give you kind of one of the lifelines as well And then we have it posted on our social media platforms. And you can try and tell us there who you think the player is. Um, And then, of course, the the following day or days will reveal who the player was that we had in mind. Um, Today's player, we're going with a throwback. And we'll say right away that this player is from the very early days of the NBA um, and its leagues that formed it, the BAA and the NBL this player played within the first 15 years of that league history. Uh, so one of the, the, the first, you know, names of the league and one of the bigger names, um, I'll start with the accolades actually with this player. He was a scoring champion. He was a four time all BAA slash all NBA player, of course made both all BAA teams and all NBA teams. Uh, so he's right at the very beginning. Um, he was a two-time All-Star, and he was also a BAA champion, so a champion uh, within the first few championship teams of the combined league history. So that is a lot of clues that can steer you in the right direction. But then again, <clears throat> these are teams and players that um, are a lot less you know, well-known and well-talked about um, in NBA fan circles, certainly. Uh, finally, the stat line for this player. For their career, uh, career averages, 16.4 points per game, 5.3 rebounds per game, 1.2 assists per game with these percentages. He shot 30.2% from the floor for his career and he had a 76.6% free throw percentage for his career. Um, again, those percentages seem not great, but we're talking about a different era. We're talking about forties, fifties into the early sixties, even, you know, 30% was still not completely terrible. It could be effective in a number of those years. So again, career averages, 16.4 points, 5.3 rebounds, 1.2 assists shooting about 30% from the floor and 76, 77% from the free throw line. That is the career stat line for an early uh, standout in the league's history, NBA and and BAA will have this posted on the social media platforms on, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You search crossover across time on there. You should be able to find us and uh, tell us who you think it is. And we'll have the answer posted within the next day or two uh, to, to follow up on it. So that is our 20 guesses player. And now we'll jump into the second of the game segments. This one a little bit easier to do as one person, we're doing Justin's showdown and the same Justin's showdown because, again, our co-host Justin was the one who brought this idea first up as far as, you know, let's pick some teams in the NBA's history, two teams and compare them. Who do you think would win? What's the matchup look like? Uh, You know, if it's a series, what does it look like? All that kind of stuff. And we just come up with scenarios that we think are interesting. The last one we did was... um best team of the 80s, the 86 Celtics or the 87 Lakers. That's a classic one. This one is a unique spin on recent history and recent uh, debates about teams. Um, Of course, the Warriors have been a phenomenal team since 2015 when they won their first championship in um, 40 years. And, of course, they became a dynasty, and they're kind of at the tail end, the tapered end of their dynasty. Um, The teams they faced in the finals most often was the Cleveland Cavaliers, led by LeBron James. LeBron, of course, a Laker now, and he got his own Laker championship himself very recently um, in the 2020 bubble season. Now, the interesting thing with both the 2015 Warriors and the 2020 Lakers is... Um, it's shades of that Curry versus LeBron matchup from, you know, opposite ends of that, you know, Cavs warriors, uh, history where we thought that matchup would never end that we would get that in the finals for year after year. Uh, this 2015 Warriors team, right at the beginning of that, this 2020 Lakers team immediately following the departure of the Cavs and the Warriors from the finals, at least in the Warriors sense for just a year or two, uh, the Cavs maybe a little bit longer, but um, both of these teams also get thrown out by fans more so, especially more. So the 2020 Lakers as quote unquote, asterisk asterisk um, champions asterisk man. It's a bit of a hard word to pronounce asterisk asterisk champions. Um, You know, they, they throw that little star on there because it's, well, they want a championship, but this, and again, the Lakers, the 2020 Lakers, maybe the most ever fans continually want to discredit that because it was in the Orlando bubble. It was during the pandemic. It was a, a Mickey mouse ring. Um, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I've seen the comment, um, lay Mickey on a LeBron related post. Um, you know, I, I, I would be set for life. I would need never need to work again. And so, um, I It gets tiring. And again, 2015 Warriors gets forgotten. Um, but at that time, there was, you know, plenty of critics that said, well, you know, every team the Warriors faced in the playoffs, uh, including the finals, had an injured star caliber player um, for the Pelicans. I want to say it might have even been Anthony Davis. Um, then they went to the Grizzlies and it was like Mike Conley or someone to that extent, uh, with the rockets. It was, um, maybe it was like Dwight Howard. It's hard to remember exactly, but there was that storyline. Then of course with the finals, it was, well, there's no Kevin love, um, on the floor. And then there was no Kyrie after the first game or two as well. So they got discredited for, well, they had, every team they faced had injuries. So they had an easier road. So both these teams get knocked for outside factors. Um, And it's a little tiring because it's like, well, they, they excelled, you know, with the challenge they faced, you can only play the teams that uh, are your schedule to play. Um, It's not their fault. If a guy is injured on another team, you know, and, and I get the argument. But it doesn't mean the team was any less great. Curry was an MVP that season, and that's a whole other conversation. But he was an MVP that season. The Warriors, you know, were not undeserving of a championship. And certainly, as we saw over the next few years, they earned, you know, if they didn't earn it in 2015, they earned it in 2016, the next year, when they were the best regular season team of all time. And you know, dominated the playoffs, but then lost the finals. You know, they they made up for it maybe then um, when the opposite was true. They were such a great team that didn't win, you know, Uh, and then they were a dynasty. So, and then the same is true with the Lakers as far as, you know, everyone had the same circumstance with the bubble. I don't get why the Lakers, well, I get why. There's no reason why the Lakers would get, any discredit for being the team that won the championship in the bubble because all the other teams had the same situation. Um, and yeah, there's no ability to rely on or get the advantage of a great home court atmosphere, but the lake, the Lakers had a great home, have a great home court atmosphere. And so they were without that. So that could have even been something against them and they still won the, the championship. So, um, of course, I get why the hate because for LeBron, especially he has a lot of hate in you know NBA fan circles and you know, much is true of the Warriors nowadays. But ultimately, my point is I think it's interesting to take a look at these two teams and match them up for those reasons. Firstly, um, tail ends of the LeBron Curry Finals matchup um, and differing rosters, different teams even. Um, But also the, you know, the unjustified hate and, you know, discounting that fans give to both these teams when they were both champions. They've won NBA championships. I think they've, you know, they've earned those championships just about as much as any other champion. Um, And uh, I think it's an interesting debate to talk about the matchups in the series If you're talking about the lineups, you would have um, who did the Lakers start that season? I want to, you know, it was LeBron uh, with Rondo, Danny Green. Um, Let me get that right here. Let's see. Of course, Anthony Davis is in there uh, as the the co-star to LeBron. They had started Avery Bradley about half the season in the regular season. When it came to the actual playoff run, Uh, JaVale McGee started a ton of the games at center, as well as Dwight Howard. It was a a shared tandem thing. You have Anthony Davis at the four, LeBron uh, at the quote-unquote point guard, and then Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Danny Green as your wing guys. You match that up against the Warriors with Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, and Andrew Bogut. Bogut certainly not going to be as mobile, but not as much. You know Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, both older at this point, uh, but they still had a bit of an athletic advantage against Bogut, but Bogut's still a great inside defender, as is Draymond Green, but AD with the size advantage. That'd be one thing the Lakers would have as an advantage in this matchup is the size, um, but shooting-wise, certainly the Warriors would have a strong advantage. Um, Lakers had some shooting, uh, you know, KCP and and Danny Green could hit the shots. Green was starting to struggle more, but um, it would be shooting of the Warriors versus size um, and you know perhaps experience of the Lakers. Um, it'd be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to hear that as well. well. Of course, also post that on our socials if you want to give your thoughts and feedback on who you think might win that matchup. Your thoughts on you know the the hate justified or unjustified for these teams. And uh, again, interesting topic of discussion for Justin's showdowns. that's it for our game segments Um, as best we can do them. We'll real quick give you our weekly prediction as well. My latest weekly prediction before we uh, start wrapping up the show. And I'm going to go a little bit more bold. You know, Um, it feels like over the last several weeks, um, whether it's me or it's Wyatt, our weekly predictions haven't been super bold. Or they've been very broad strokes. Oh, the the West is going to have these teams, and it's going to be close. Um, you know, this seating in in this conference. Um, I wanted to go a little bit more direct, a little more straightforward, and a little bit more bold. I was looking at players today. The award race conversation is going to be a big part of this these last few weeks. With Embiid out, the topic of who wins the MVP this year is certainly as it is even, you know, when Embiid's playing, it still would have been the conversation. We always want to know who's going to be the MVP. And um with Embiid out of the picture, I'm gonna lay down my prediction for who wins the MVP. Shea Gilders Alexander will win the 2024 Michael Jordan MVP. Award. I'm picking Shea because what I, you know, a big part of it is what I outlined at the very beginning of the show. The Thunder have improved eight spots in the Western Conference, the Wild West. You know, there's a myriad of teams that are vying for contention within the Western Conference. Thunder are tied for the top of the West. Shea Gilders Alexander leads the league in 30 point games. He's you know, a top five, top three, top one scorer in the NBA with averages, with 30 point games, sensational scoring, but it's a lot more than that. He's been a great distributor with good efficiency. He's defensively been very impactful. He's athletic. He grabs boards. He does everything you need to in a team concept. And he's the star of that team, that team, would be lottery bound, you would think. It's hard to know for sure. Um, But the team so young um, that's still growing and those guys are coming to their own, Shea Gilders-Alexander playing at that MVP level has allowed the rest of the team to flourish around him, and they suddenly have become a contending team. And SGA you got to think is certainly in the top five names of the MVP race. I don't think that's would be a hot take at all. And it's really not even that hot. It's not that bold, but I think it is bold to say this player will win the MVP, especially this year where, you know, we had so much on and you know, being the front runner. And now it's like, well, who was the next guy up? So it's an interesting situation. I think it's SGA. I think he will win it, and uh, that's my prediction. I'm I'm sticking with it, and we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's show with our this day in with uh, this day in history fact for you. Uh, we're going back to February twenty eighth of nineteen eighty seven. On this day in history, Los Angeles Lakers broadcaster Chick Hearn called his two thousandth consecutive game for the club, a streak spanning. 22 years, going back to the uh, the 60s. Um, of course, a legendary broadcaster, one of the greats in NBA history, uh, recognized in the rafters for the Lakers. Phenomenal stuff. And in the rafters of the Staples Center slash crypto.com arena. That's one last point I want to touch on before we wrap up the show. Tonight, the uh, Clippers will face the Lakers. Um, I believe the Clippers are the technical host team in that matchup and that's even more um, pertinent because as we know and as we've mentioned next season the Clippers will be playing in their brand new arena the Intuit Dome uh, the first time in a while since the 90s um, that the two teams the Clippers and the Lakers will play in separate arenas they'll go back to that that was the case for a lot of their history and so um, talking lakers it's a little bit relevant but just wanted to touch on that fact um, tonight the last game that the clippers will host the lakers as both of them are the teams in crypto.com arena with next season they will actually be you know home and away teams even if it's you know 10 20 miles away if that um it's still there's still that distinction. So I thought that was fun and just wanted to make sure I touched on that before we finish up today's show. Uh, that should be it for us. Again, thank you all for listening. We we can't thank you enough. We'll be back on Friday for another packed episode. We've got, of course, the summaries and the news from Wednesday and Thursday's games. We'll do our latest franchise focus. This time we're talking the Orlando magic. We'll also get a little bit more in depth with fantasy Fridays. The trade deadline for us is, um, I want to say it's today actually, Um, no, March 1st at 12pm Eastern Standard Time, so Friday, the trade deadline, um, midday it approaches basically, so we will be recapping anything that may have happened with our trade deadline in our Fantasy League, we'll check in on predictions as well and then. Uh, forecast games for the weekend but otherwise that's it for us thank you for listening and uh, we will be back with you on friday